we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Brett Barrow, founder and CEO of HerFeed. As a reminder, the information provided during, during this event is for informational purposes only. This event does not create a doctor-patient relationship, and any questions or medical advice discussed is not considered guidance on what you should do. For medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. Joining me today is Dr. Michael Ravello, Medical Director of Urgent Care at Providence Spokane. Hello. Hi, how are you, Brett? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for joining today. Today we are going to be talking about the flu, which is definitely, you and I were speaking a little bit before, definitely top of mind for you and I think for a lot of us. But before we get into that, can you tell us what your role is here at Providence? Sure. Um, I'm actually fortunate um, to be the medical director for Spokane Urgent Cares, and um, I, I have um, the responsibility to um, oversee a, a good amount of uh, providers that are amazing providers that have been providing amazing care, um, especially during these uh, times where, you know, their, their health is at risk as well, too. And I'm fortunate to be able to work with them and with others. And so... Obviously, the flu is a, a COVID. This pandemic has probably impacted your daily life and your work life, and obviously those around you. But now we have flu season coming up. Um, can you tell us just so that you know all of us know what exactly is the flu in medical terms? Sure. So the flu is essentially um, a very contagious uh, uh, respiratory illness. Uh, we usually attribute it to various. Um, uh, flu viruses that, that can cause uh, different symptoms, which uh, wind up being very similar to, to COVID, actually. Okay. Are there different types of flus? Actually, there are. There's three different types of flu. There's uh, influenza type A, B, and C. Um, actually, type A is the one that can actually cause pandemics. And I, I know that we're currently in a pandemic, but influenza A is very unique in the sense that it can also uh, use like birds as a host. Um, it has uh, uh, the ability um, to change rapidly. So, so swine um, flu? Uh, yes, like swine flu or like H1N1. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, that was back, I think, in 2009. And then there's influenza B, with actu which actually doesn't really cause pandemics, but it, it, it can be transmitted from person to person. That's usually the most common. And then type C doesn't really cause much severe disease, so we don't usually mention it. We usually focus on A and B. So when we hear about flu season, are we generally thinking, are, are we generally hearing about type B? So we're, you're usually uh, hearing about both type A and type B. So a person can actually be infected with both at the same time. Um, and, and you can actually have, it, depending on the um, efficacy of the flu vaccine that is administered that year, 
you may have incidences of either influenza A being more prominent or actually influenza B being more prominent. So it really does come down to the, the hard work that, that those individuals are doing that, that make the vaccine um, and you know how effective it is and, and what actually spreads through the uh, population. So sometimes you know at the beginning of the season, you may have influenza A, you might wind up having influenza B at the end of the season as well. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was like that. Um, so one of the things that people are really concerned about and on a lot of people's minds right now is how do we tell the difference between COVID-19 and the flu since there seem to be a lot of similar symptoms? That is a very, that's going to be very difficult. In fact, that's going to be one of the most difficult obstacles that we're going to face um, as far as healthcare workers this year, because quite honestly, we all know very well that the, the symptoms are very similar. So you can have cough, congestion, sore throat, you can have the body aches, you can have some of the GI symptoms that you would see both in influenza and in COVID. But the one that seems to stand out to me and, and which is a little bit different is that change in taste or smell that everyone's talking about. That one seems to be a little bit of a standout as far as, you know, the difference between uh, flu and COVID. It's it's also going to bring to light testing, quite honestly, because one of the ways that we're going to be able to tell whether you have either, either influenza or COVID is quite honestly by using testing. So we do have testing for um, influenza. We have uh, ability to test for influenza A and B. And then we also do have COVID testing, which which is going to uh, hopefully become more prominent and, and help us distinguish uh, one for the other. But um, it really does come down to, I think, testing mostly because the, the way that COVID spread seems to spread more. Um, uh, it, it seems to spread easier, quite honestly, um, but flu still spreads uh, quite easily as well, too. So we can't really rely on either the symptoms or the severity because both influenza and COVID can cause either mild symptoms, no symptoms, or severe symptoms, even death. And who would you say is greatest, who is at greatest risk for the flu? So those that are at greatest risk for the flu are actually um, the older population. You're still gonna have um, those that are 65 and over. If you have uh, immune deficiencies, or if you have any kind of chronic diseases, uh, diabetes, asthma, um, chronic kidney disease, heart disease. Um, and then quite honestly, um, uh, Pregnancy is actually one of the one of the major things for, for flu that we always have to watch out because um, during pregnant while, while a, a woman is pregnant um, she's at higher risk actually for uh, potentially having more severe um, flu presentation. Um, oh wow! And quite honestly, as well too, we always tend to forget, but our younger population, our pediatric population, our kids, um, flu seems to affect kids under the age of five and especially under the age of two. Um, a little bit um, more um, aggressively than, than most. Um, that's something that I have I've always uh, tried to convey. Um, we can't forget, um, you know, our, our pediatric population and how vulnerable they are, especially during flu season. I feel like that's really important. That's a good reminder. Um, so based off the fact that we don't know exactly how this flu season is going to pan out and we're in the middle of a pandemic, are you... Uh, is your recommendation that people should be getting the regular flu, uh, flu vaccine this year? Absolutely. Um, I, this is this is the year that to, to get your flu vaccine. I mean, you should be getting it every year, but it is critically important um, to try to prevent uh, flu because we do we're, we're still actively learning um, what COVID presentations are, what it does to the immune system, and what you don't really want is. You don't want co-infections. So you don't want these two viruses in your body at the same time. And you also don't want to have to fight um, one virus and then, you know, shortly afterwards have to fight another virus. 
we know that COVID uh, this year, you, their actual symptoms can last uh, sometimes weeks. Mm-hmm. And what we don't want is something else being introduced there uh, that, that we don't know how, how we're going to react to. So, yes, absolutely. If you haven't gotten your flu shot this year, I would say, you know, go out and get your flu shot. Um, speak to your, your primary care physician um, and, and try to get in there. I was just going to say, when would you suggest people do it if they haven't done it yet? Usually the optimal time is actually mid-October. Um, so right around this time, right, right, yeah. you don't want to go too early because then it may kind of wear off a little bit. And then, you know, if you have something like a late season, um, it could always affect something. But I think now's a good time, definitely before November, um, I, I would get it. That's when we're really starting to uh, predict that we're going to start having flu. Uh, we actually got a question from the Facebook audience. How does uh, influence the type A mortality rate compared to that of COVID-19? So that's actually a very interesting question. So um, right now what we're kind of debating or we're seeing is that COVID is actually uh, potentially uh, have a higher kind of mortality rate, but the flu is not something that we should um, ignore. Um, the, the mortality rate of the flu, whether it's A or B or um, any kind of combination, is still very, very high. Um, with COVID, we're still learning. This is something that we don't have enough data to actually uh, say that one is a higher incidence than others, but we're actively seeing this. I mean, we're living through a pandemic and we're seeing the effects of this. And because it's a novel virus and, and our bodies haven't seen this type of presentation before, you know, mm-hmm. COVID tends to have a possibility to be, you know, that kind of contender that will we'll, we'll probably have a higher, higher rate at some point. Right now, it's actually quite low. As far as overall, I, I think we're looking at less than, I think, 1%. The problem is, is that it's concentrated because it's moving through the population very quickly. When you look at COVID, it moves through the population at a certain time of the year, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it can affect different types of individuals differently. But we actually have that vaccine for, for influenza, so it, it should help out in that sense. I feel like that's definitely a reason why people should be going out and getting the, the vaccine. Um should you get the flu this year or actually how about this what are some other ways besides getting the flu uh can you try to prevent getting it besides besides getting the vaccine can you try to prevent getting the flu that so we're actually we we all should be experts right now at not getting the flu because we're actively practicing we're actually in a pandemic and we're doing what we need to be doing so that social distancing wearing the mask uh, washing your hands uh, try not to touch your face, which is very difficult. Um, you know, all those kind of things that we're doing now is is essentially what we're what we're trying to do to to prevent the flu. Which, and we've seen evidence of this, you know, down in Australia, uh, where there there has been a lower incidence of flu. So, um, yeah, we're 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 actively we're, we're doing the right things now. So we should keep doing what we're doing. Is basically what you're yeah. you're saying here. Um, what about, is there anything, if you were to get the flu, is there anything that you would suggest people could do to shorten it? Yes. So, um, we're very fortunate that we do have, um, antivirals. So that's a medication that we would give, um, if you do get the flu. So there's, there's your conventional, um, methods, which is, you know, rest and fluids. If you get the, if you get the flu, um, over the counter medications, anything to kind of try to help you, you know, feel better. That's going to technically run its course. The way that we shorten it is by using antivirals. So if you do test positive for influenza A or B, we can give you medication. Um, it has to be prescribed, and that will shorten the course of, of flu, usually um, by a couple of days at least. And um, we usually try to implement that early on within the first 48 hours. So it becomes critical um, to, to be diagnosed. And I think that that's where the urgent cares 
and you know uh, primary cares and, and others are going to shine in the sense that we're going to provide that outlet for individuals to come in get tested within a, a good amount of time and be able to help them and hopefully decrease complications later on so if you if should you start feeling as if you're getting the flu you're you're suggesting that you should probably go in and get a test so that you you know you can get a diagnosis and at least if, if it's really bad perhaps get some medicine to help you shorten the duration so as much as healthcare workers are probably cringing now that is that is a loaded uh, question uh the the answer uh unfortunately is we're gonna have to see if uh, uh yes the answer is yes uh you you should come in you should be seen because uh, not only are you going to need testing, but um, you also want to get a medical exam as well, too. One of the things that I've seen the most now is that everything's COVID and every other disease and every other diagnosis has essentially disappeared. And that's not accurate. You know, there's there's other things that are going to bring you in with similar symptoms. Uh, I know we're talking about the flu, but, it, you know, they can bring you in and you could have pneumonia and it could be bacterial. It doesn't have to be viral. Um, you could have an ear infection. Uh, you could have strep throat. There's other, there's other things that we're going to need to make sure that this year, um, especially this flu season, we, we focus and, and make sure that we rule out other causes as well too, because those other causes, we do have treatments for, we do have antibiotics for them. So if you, if you ended up getting the flu this season, would you be more at risk for COVID, would you say, or? I don't, I don't think that the evidence shows that because you have one virus, you're more prone to get another virus. That really opens up um, what we were talking about earlier about the potential complications. What we don't know is really what could happen or what's going to happen if you get a co-infection because the, the um, biggest part about COVID and then flu, the reason why we're all, why all healthcare professionals are kind of nervous right now is because they technically affect the same area. So they affect you know, your, your eyes, your nose, your throat, um, your respiratory system. And, you know, you have to really consider what's going to happen if, you know, potentially either you have both of them or if you haven't recovered from one of them, what happens to, you know, that body system that's already kind of, you know, been fighting for a while. But, you know, what, what occurs there? And I think that's more along the lines of where I would go with flu and COVID. I, I don't think that there's anything to my knowledge or any kind of medical data that states that because you have COVID, you're more uh, prone to get influenza or vice versa. Uh are there uh, flu symptoms that are severe enough that someone should go to the ER? Definitely. I think that, you know, those are the most important ones to watch out for. At the point where you have shortness of breath, where you have chest pain, um, where you have either um, a difficulty breathing, um, if you have, you know, uh, either dizzy spells or for some reason you can't keep fluids in. So if there's uh, MS, if you're throwing up, or if there's, you know, other 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 areas where you can't keep fluids in, and um, that would be the major reason to to go um, to the emergency department, definitely. When and on, sort of on that note, when is urgent care a better option than the ER? So urgent care plays a very pivotal role in in the bridge between primary care and emergency medicine, where we can provide. We're kind of designed to provide care for that kind of example or. If you, if you are sick or you're not sick enough to go to the emergency department, that's truly where, where we really provide the best care. So if you have a fever, if you have a cough, if you have a sore throat, if you have other symptoms, as long as you're stable, um, the urgent care would be a good, a good point for you to start because we have the capability, we're structured to run testing. So um, we've, we've, we've been increasing the amount of machines that we have in order to run testing. So we can decipher whether you have flu 
or not. And if we, you know, once we acquire more testing, you know, whether or not COVID is something that we need to worry about. And then again, if there's other um, ailments and other diagnoses, we'll be able to distinguish them in the urgent care. Um, I think the urgent care is a good starting point. Um, and if at any point you're also being seen by, by great medical uh, providers, and if you need to go to the emergency department, then we'll be able to help you in that transition. So that, at what point um, would you suggest that someone actually go to urgent care? Is it, you know, how do you know if it's the flu perhaps versus a cold versus, you know, possibly, I guess, COVID, you know? How, what would be the symptom that you would say, or is there, are there any symptoms to really look out for that, you know, is sort of leaning that you may not be having your average cold, it might be more the flu? I think if symptoms, you know, persist, you know, over 24, 48 hours, if you're really uncomfortable, if there's really a cough, if there's a high fever, if we know that your body's fighting something, I think at that point, I would say um, to seek care. I think this year presents a very unique situation. Um, one thing that we neglect to see is, you know, the psychological aspect of, you know, fearing whether or not you do have COVID or not. And unfortunately, you know, that's something that, you know, a, a lot of people or a lot of patients are dealing with and it's quite difficult. And I'm, at some point, we're going to want to know whether you do have COVID or not so that you don't go and infect others. You don't go and, and you know, potentially, you know, um, spread the virus. So I would say that this year is going to pose a very unique situation where I believe we're probably going to be seeing more patients than we usually do. But I would say if at any point you feel that you need medical care, obviously come in. And if, you know, um, if there's anything that obviously we can do, we're, we're going to do for you. For sort of on that note, too, for those who may not be as familiar with urgent care, uh, if you feel like you need to come in, how what's the best process for someone to take, especially right now during COVID-19 and everything. So we're actually very fortunate. Um, the urgent cares have, have really come together um, for Providence um, on the ambulatory care network. And we've been working, you know, quite um, closely with our PMG partners as well here too in Spokane. And um, we've actually created a, a complete separation in the clinics here in Spokane. And in other, in other areas, we've also uh, created measures in order to keep patients safe so that when they come in, we're not being exposed to others. So we actually have eliminated waiting rooms here. We have a screener outside that will stop you and determine whether which section you need to go to or not. Um, the screener and that process can help you. You can always come in. We are a walk-in clinic, but we're also using uh, um, uh, an operation called Clockwise, which you can actually go on your phone and make and schedule an appointment. Um, uh -huh. So you're, you're actually holding a, a time is not necessarily an appointment. We try to keep up with those times. <laughs> But uh, it's difficult, but um, we usually use that approach as far as that way we can prepare um, that we know you're coming. And then we can also prepare the clinic and prepare the space. What we've seen is that we've seen a higher incidence of respiratory cases now because temperature is changing. You're seeing all this other stuff. So we're, we're being able to accommodate and add other sections to the clinic that we didn't have in order to try to accommodate, you know, these, these patients. And what I, and so because you know, we're sort of going through two different, we've got COVID-19 and the flu um, happening right now. What is, you know, besides doing the social distancing and stuff like that, are there vitamins people can do? Or is that, do you suggest uh, eating certain foods? Do you suggest, you know, getting more sleep? Like what can we do besides these, these things that we've already put into place? Are there ways that we can actually take care of ourselves um, by what we eat or what, you know, activities we're doing or what, you know. 
I usually promote a healthy diet. I think you should always have a healthy diet and you should definitely be getting rest if you can during these insane times. Uh, sleep is always a good thing. Um, I think that if you if you're missing something you think in your diet, vitamins are always a, a good thing. But there isn't any one specific, and in my opinion, there's not one specific vitamin or anything that will essentially fight off or help. I mean, if you think you're deficient on anything, I mean, keep up with your vitamins, keep up with your vitamin C. Um, mm-hmm. Try to exercise because, quite honestly, one of the biggest things that, and I know that a lot of a lot of us are going through it, is is that kind of you know the stress level that's associated with this. So I think exercise would be key. Um, and I think, you know, um, I, I would actually promote uh, uh, going out, being with your, or being with your family, staying with your family, enjoying that time with your family. I think that that brings a lot for that mental kind of aspect as well too. I feel like that's good advice. And we just got a question in from the Facebook audience. How old does my baby need to be before he gets his flu shot? I believe it's six months and it requires um, uh, two vaccinations, I believe it is. So um, that's a little bit different than adults or older children. Um, but I, that's, yeah. Um, and actually, you just brought up something. So what do pe- what should people expect if you've actually never gotten the flu shot before? What is it like? Do you just get the shot and you're done? Or are there anything? is there anything people should know? Yeah, uh, sometimes it hurts a little bit. Um, I got it a couple of days ago. Oh, really? <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's not that bad. Um, usually, I mean, you the potential uh, is that you could get a little redness, a little pain, it's a little sore, but you usually don't get any major uh, real side effects. I mean, there 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 are very select few that have or or small amount of uh, percentage of population that may have allergies, but usually that would have come up, and so it's actually not that bad. Um, so. I encourage you to go get your flu trash. And can sort of on that question from the Facebook audience, who is safe to get it? Are, are the elder, like older population, kids? Yeah. Uh, everybody? So, pretty much almost uh, everyone. Um, the exceptions, again, are the infants. And then the exceptions are the um, older population, 65 plus, uh, require a different kind of uh, flu uh, vaccination. But pretty much uh, everyone in between those ages you're, you're good to go get the, the flu shot. It could be a family field trip to go get your flu shot and actually protect yourself this year. But yeah. we actually got another question from the audience, which is, should we keep getting the flu shot every year? Every, I, I believe that you should get the flu shot every year. I, I know that there's a lot of contention going around with vaccines and, um, and there's a lot of uh, politics involved. The, there, we, we tend to neglect the, the hardworking people that create these vaccines. Um, they're, they're, they're scientists, they're doctors that actually take what's in the environment and they create this for us so that our body has, it's almost like a preparation. Um, it's almost like when you're training, if you're going to go run a marathon, you don't just go out and run a marathon, you train first. So there's individuals out there that, that we have to thank for doing this. And there's always a lot of uh, talk back and forth about how effective the vaccine is and whatnot, even if it's 40% effective, it's, it's better than nothing. So uh, I, I, I really think that every year we should, we should be getting our flu vaccine. And, and it's not just for us as well, too, that we get this vaccine. It's actually to protect others. Um, so those same uh, individuals that we were talking about that are high-risk pregnant, pregnant women, uh, younger children, um, the, you know, the elderly, we do it for them so that we don't give them the flu as well, too. And I, I think that that's something that's tended, you know, we kind of tend to look past that. It's not just about us, it's about others as well too. I think the pandemic has uh, brought that to light more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is about you know um, the, the community as well. Uh, 
And so does the flu vaccine essentially, if you get it now, does it essentially last for the year or is there a second one that anyone has to get or how, how does this really work? So usually you get one flu shot a year is, is the usual uh, approach. And we usually get it around this time because we know that the flu is seasonal. So um, because we know that there's different types of flu, like we discussed earlier, and they tend to change every year, you might get a new combination. So that influenza A that we said that can cause pandemics, mm-hmm. has proteins on the outside or, or two um, essentially proteins that can then you have about 180, 198, I think, combinations or variations. So that's why it constantly changes. And then if it goes into a host like the bird or, or like, um, you know, any, uh, any kind of uh, vector that way, it, it, it may change, it may mutate. So then that's why we go back to the vaccine. Every year we kind of look at that. What are the changes? And then we, you know, those, those, those individuals try to, you know, to, to mimic that and, and give us the ability to fight it off so that if you do, if your body is presented with that virus, then, you know, it's trained and, and it can fight it a lot better. So it is really, it is a per year, it's on a per year basis, which I think right now, if we all think about what we've all been through and how much this pandemic has affected us, I do think that, you know, putting your health front and center and other people's health front and center should be a priority for, you know, most of us, if not all of us. Yeah. Um, we, I've, we're almost getting out of time. Is there anything else that you want to add to this or any advice you have? I just want to call out um, all the hardworking individuals that we got, um, healthcare, to be honest with you. I think that there's uh, a lot of people that are doing an immense amount of work. Um, you have uh, nurses, you have PSRs, our front desk, you have MAs, you have doctors. I mean, you have um, all our staff members, all our providers are doing such a hard, you know, hard work right now and putting themselves out there. I want to thank them for all their hard work. I want to thank the people behind the scenes um, that are able to plan and, and coordinate, which don't always get a lot of attention, but uh, we wouldn't be able to do that with those people in, in, in the background. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess since I'm on, I'm, I'm live, then I, I do want to do a selfless plug here. And, you know, we've actually put together a flu drive here in Spokane, which is a, a first for us. Oh, wow. uh, never really planned out um, uh, a drive through kind of flu situation, but given the year and the magnitude of what we're facing um, on Saturday, October 24th, um, we're going to be able to do a, a flu drive. It's going to be held at the Spokane Teaching Clinic uh, from nine to three. And we're doing ages 11 and above. Um, that's 624 East uh, Front Street. Um, I really have to commend the team um, that, that that has been working on that and, and those uh seven o'clock meetings that we all attend. Uh, thank you guys for your hard work. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to help the community and get the vaccine, uh, the flu vaccine out there. And if someone were to show up to go to this, what do they need to bring? Just their body and insurance? We just think it's, it's a good idea um, to try to provide that uh, to the community, um, especially this year. And we're also looking at it, at least I'm looking at it as a good training session for us uh, for when we do get the COVID vaccine. Um, we're going to be faced with a very unique situation um, in, in this country, which is that we're going to have to somehow vaccinate a mass number of individuals. And the logistics behind that alone is is, in, is incredible to work through. So doing something like this will really try to kind of prepare us uh, for, for what we can do if we get the, uh, the COVID vaccine, hopefully. Yeah, because we saw that when something came up and we weren't 
you know, prepared for it in terms of testing. So I do think that, you know, preparing for this, this is, and I think it's also good preparation for all of us that are going to end up having to get the COVID-19, you know, vaccine. Um, but thank you so much for chatting with me today, Dr. Ravello, uh, and to everyone for watching and for all of your questions. Um, if you wanna learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, and ways to give, or if you're looking for medical care, please visit providence.org. Make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System for LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and under Providence and on Twitter. And that is our show. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching, and go get your flu shot. Bye. Okay.